Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. Good to see you, everybody. I'm your host, Ryan Key. Hi, everyone. Good to see you, too. It's your host, Nick Ambarian. It's AMA time again. Hey, guys. Number three, right? Three? Three. This is our third AMA. Revenge of the Answers. We haven't hung out in a while. Adam's been just in the fortress of editing solitude. Solitude. (laughs) How are you guys? Uh, Hanging in there. Yeah. Unraveling new layers of hell every second of my life. <laughs> As is tradition. <laughs> to put it lightly. Watching the world burn from the comforts of home. Yeah, we're in Padme's apartment just looking across the city, yeah. seeing the smoke come up out of the Jedi Temple. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're in the Trevero script version of Coruscant, you know? Right. We're starting to see it all crumble. Good times, guys. Good yeah. times. Hey. All right. Yeah. Vibes. Well, I just, when we first got on tonight, I could just, I could tell we're all kind of like, man. <laughs> so, it's good to see you, though. Good to see you guys. Missed you guys. It's been a minute. Yes, sir. Well, let's cheer ourselves up and talk about Star Wars. Let's answer some questions. Yeah, let's hang out with some lovely listeners. So as most of you know, these questions for these AMAs come directly from Patreon. Our Jedi tier patrons can submit questions about anything. That's what Ask Me Anything means. If you want to submit questions about Star Wars stuff, you can, of course, do that at any level on Patreon. But if you want to ask us about our underwear collection or cars or coffee, whatever, the AMAs come from the Jedi. Isn't it kind of sweet they just get called Jedi, the patrons? Yeah. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> There's a lot of Star Wars questions this week. Some good ones. All right, let's start. We have, what do we got, a dozen of them? Let's do it. Chris Davis says, you're a clone captain assigned to serve a Jedi general. Which Jedi do you report to, knowing that you'll have to turn on them once Order 66 is called? I love this question. Brutal question. <laughs> Take it away then. I thought this was going to cheer us up. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> yes, cool, man. I was just going to say, opening the gates with some cheery news. It's obviously hard to do, and mine's totally just based off of how stupid he looks. And <laughs> Jedi Master Kayati Mundi with his cone head. Kayati Mundi? He's the one. I wouldn't have fun serving alongside him, but finally when the chip went off in my head, I'd just be like, oh, I'm going to cut this guy's cone head off right now. <laughs> Dark. Conhead. <laughs> I want to believe I would have defected before I had to make that choice. That's my answer. Yeah, I would hope that I would as well. Cop out. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to pick either Yoda or Ahsoka. Because if it's Yoda, you're just going to die really quickly. Yeah, suicide, basically. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> if it's Ahsoka, you get a chance. It's true. She doesn't want to kill clones, so you might survive somehow. Those are good answers. Proud of us. Except Ryan. I cheated. I cheated. All right. Chris also asks, this is kind of cool. Imagine your lightsaber is manufactured by your dream music equipment company. What would it be? For example, his lightsaber would be a Yamaha BB-3000 body with an Ampeg Kyber crystal and a Galleon Kruger 700 RB emitter. (laughs) What is a Galleon Kruger 700? Galleon Kruger is a base company. That's the base amps I play. Okay. 
I play Ernie Ball and Galleon Kruger, but I think like a seventies Rickenbacker style lightsaber would be sick with like that <laughs> pearl trim, you know, black with like gaudy kind of chrome hardware on it. That would be sick. I'm so not a gear guy. I have no idea. I'm like painfully not a gear guy. I'm like, I don't know how I'm a musician. I'm like, is that a bass? Okay, cool. I'll play it. Nick just uses a <laughs> rental lightsaber from whatever the college town that he's playing. <laughs> <laughs> Nick gets a backlined lightsaber. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not like a huge gear guy either, especially not in like collecting sense. You know, I'm not, if I'm not using a guitar for a long time, I'm happy to sell it or whatever. Same. But that said, I just got, Last year for touring with Newfound Glory, I had these two kind of custom Fender Telecasters made. And I had like these big, they're called Ventera necks. It's got a big ass headstock. So if you know what a Telecaster looks like, it's got a kind of a smaller headstock than a little wiener. Like a, yeah, it's like a little wiener compared to a Stratocaster. <laughs> so they're really like oversized on these Ventera necks. So I had them put on there. And uh, one of the guitars I had is just like, classic you know shiny black fender with like this ivory pick guard and i think like a, a fender telecastery shiny hilt would be sick and i guess i would have a mesa kyber crystal when i played amps in the old days when they were amplifiers right. i played mesa amplifiers and I, I don't know like for the actual like blade of the lightsaber what would create that i mean i guess that's kind of the the mesa thing doing that but i would have a fender mesa combo lightsaber sick what was that uh Oh, I remember now. It was called First Act. You remember that? It was like <laughs> yeah. beginners. I'd have a First Act lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, Series 10. Squire. Uh, what's the other one? You got yeah. a Squire lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it comes in a box with your whole Jedi outfit. It's like an all-in-one <laughs> thing you get for Christmas. There's a bunch of them stacked up at the front of the Jedi temple, so when you walk in, your mom knows exactly yeah. what to buy. Yeah, the boxes are like in a pyramid, like at the <laughs> yeah. front of Guitar Center. Everything you need to rock in one box. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, uh, for real, I have... An orange, like Camaro orange, Music Man Sterling four string that I'm going to paint Ahsoka style because it's already the right color. It's yeah, going to look sick. That's great. All right. Ricky Gramio Sounds right. Sorry, Ricky, if that's wrong. I think you nailed it. He asked a few questions. One, we're not qualified to answer straight up. Sorry. I'm very sorry. <laughs> this is our favorite. Well, it's my favorite because I have an answer. Kenobi clearly sees Luke and Leia born at the end of episode three. So why then? When Yoda says there's another at the end of Empire, why didn't Ben say, yeah, no shit? <laughs> Instead, he seemingly has no idea that Leia's around. You guys have any uh, headcanon to fix this? Well, Ricky suggests was he possibly referring to Ray, but I'm going to let you guys take this. Uh, I mean, that's just, that's just a little cliffhanger of the scene as far as I'm concerned. You know, like we, we then find out uh, one movie later that he's talking about Leia. From Ben's point of view, from Obi-Wan's point of view, when he says that boy was our last hope, I always assumed that he just didn't think Leia was force sensitive or that wasn't her path. His mission was to protect Luke. Luke was going to be the one. Maybe there was something about Luke when they were born. Maybe he had that force connection. Maybe the force was like guiding him to be the one to protect her. And the force was guiding her to be the one that was fully in hiding, kind of insulated from the force. So he very well may have had no idea that she was even a candidate to be a Jedi, one that could help bring balance back to the Force. Yeah, I wonder if it's possible he just didn't know. I don't know the answer 
if every Jedi who has a child, if that child is then force sensitive. So in that case, you would have known Leia was force sensitive. But maybe it's not a, a sure bet that if a Jedi has a kid that they're force sensitive. So maybe he just didn't know about Leia. Yeah, maybe some of them are just f***ing duds. <laughs> <laughs> Two out of ten. Two out of ten Jedi. That works for me in my head, Kenan. I'm cool with it. All right. Ian Thompson asks, given the news of the Snyder cut of Justice League, do we think that we'll ever see the rumored J.J. Abrams cut that was turned in of The Rise of Skywalker? Was it turned in? I mean, that's all part of the rumors that it even exists. Yeah. Which, I mean, uh, who knows? The idea that there's a so-and-so cut could be said of any movie because the editing process is so long, especially on a feature film where you shoot a ton of stuff and you're writing as you shoot. And For the sake of Ian's question, though, let's assume that it is the cans are sitting on a shelf. Right. I would love to see all the additional footage because, I mean, I'll just give me more Star Wars. I'll take it. But I also wouldn't ever want to have to emotionally deal with that conflict of, okay, which one's the real one? I mean, I, I do enjoy the like Lord of the Rings extended cuts. I would love for Star Wars to have that, to kind of follow that path. But it hasn't, and I don't know that it ever will, really. Don't you get the vibe that these kind of discussions, though, are more about the Lord of the Rings extended cut is that just extended cut feels more like the studio goes, we have a longer cut with some cool footage. The J.J. Abrams cut feels like this is the version of the film that the studio didn't want you to see. You know, yeah. it's like a different yeah, yeah. kind of vibe. Yeah. Totally. And, and I guess the suggestion is that there's a different story there straight up, not just right. an extension. Yeah. And I, w I would love to see it, but I 100% believe we will never see anything. Yeah. Like. Not with this property, not from the studio. It's, and it's also interesting though, that we don't have any deleted scenes for either of his movies. Yeah. And that makes me wonder, are the deleted scenes not the, the usual just kind of cut for time thing or cut for like continuity, whatever, but more like, oh, we went back and reshot because we story-wise went a different direction and so on. Things that just literally couldn't be put back in because they would throw off the whole story. Yeah. Or is there so much content there that there's like other stuff that they're just holding on to that yeah, may become so. something else? Just think about how many times, I mean, for, for instance, they use like old Ralph McQuarrie stuff. Like maybe there's like, there is a good idea in a cut scene somewhere that they mm -hmm. could always go back and use. But uh, And think about the documentary we talk about a lot, the Empire of Dreams documentary that was made long after. Imagine how much footage they may be holding back and holding yeah. on to to make something like that for the sequel trilogy down the road. I'm into it. it. It would be cool. I mean, I guess going back to just like me more so wishing that there was like a three hour cut of every movie. Like if it wound up being like all the stuff that was included slash cut that was in the novelization, like that would be cool. But that's more along the lines of, I guess, the Lord of the Rings kind of reference, you know, where yeah. that stuff it was filmed. It adds to the movie as opposed to like a completely different narrative being cut from the movie. And it's so much more difficult to even have these alternate versions when you're talking about a film that wraps up a nine movie saga that spans 40 years. Yeah. It's not like Blade Runner where you can have all these different versions and it's just kind of personal preference, which one is the real one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Speaking of, can we please get that third Blade Runner film? <laughs> Mike Cronin, he wants to know if we have a favorite fan film, Star Wars fan film. No. I, <laughs> have, I have seen a few that I like. There's a Darth Maul one that's pretty cool, but... The one, I don't know if this counts as a full fan film, but SC-38 Reimagined, the Obi-Wan and Vader duel from A New Hope. Last year, I guess, maybe this year, somebody did a pretty intense kind of physical 
version of it. Not so much just old guys tapping their <laughs> together. And it's pretty sweet. I think it's a little much, but it's still fun to watch. I like it. I think it would count as a fan film. Yeah. Could be a short film, but it's still a film. The other question is, do we think the child is a clone or simply another? I want to believe it's another. Badly. Yeah, I but think I'm going to go with another. That seems more ripe for story potential. I want to believe it's like a cycle starting over again kind of thing. I would agree, but the evidence seems to suggest I know. that there's cloning. I know. Which is still cool. I'm not going to be bummed. Yeah, it's I always went more in the direction of the Empire remnants wanted him to clone, not that he was a clone. That's a vibe, too, that they that cool. they're off that I'm sure we'll get into when we cover Mando. Mm-hmm. Robert Solomita, he wants to know our favorite songs by our own bands. Cool, dude. Mm-hmm. Real easy one. Again, you guys are really <laughs> loading them up this week. I... It's known that I say this when asked this question. I think a lot of people shake their head like, why? But I'm going to go with a collection of songs that is our album, Lift a Sail. That record was a real out-of-genre experience for us and for me. And those songs really resonate with me, not just as the writer of the lyrics and melody and stuff, kind of my role in the band there, but also just as a listener, you know, if I was just picking up a record and listening to it if i had to choose a yellow card record that i would be most drawn to listen to at least at this phase of my life it would be lift a sail uh i'll go more like kind of recency bias i feel like there's three songs one from each of our last three records there's a song called hate me from the album cult there's a song called maybe tennessee from the album vacancy and then a song called Numb on our newest record in Tarobang. I just feel like those are all like, I always play around with the term adult contemporary punk rock. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's for the people who have grown up with punk rock and, you know, alternative punk, whatever you want to call it all in the. So uh, not Michelle Branch fans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just someone who kind of, people grow up with punk rock, their their ear becomes a little bit more refined, I guess. And I feel like, we have three songs that we've written in the last like five or so years that I'm like, this could be up there with a Rise Against song that's on the radio or something like that, you know? And like, I think any one of those three songs, like I would like to be like an intro to a bass side and be like, this is, this is when we're like hitting our stride, like any one of these three songs. Because I also just feel like we sound like adults playing music as opposed to like when we were 20 and trying to sound like Newfound Glory or something, you know, like it's, kids it's, just trying to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. So those would be my three picks of like, hey, check out my band. I like that. I like that approach. This is weird. I think the song I'm maybe most proud of in a way is a song called Is This My Fate? He Asked Them, which is a straight up like metal song. And we always kind of push the boundaries of like the goalposts of what our band was genre wise. And that one was definitely pushing it way further into metal than we probably should have. But it's weird that I have known people over the years who are not into really heavy music at all that whose favorite song that is. Mm-hmm. And it also has really awesome lyrics. So I love that one and it's fast and there's always circle pits. So that's sweet. <laughs> it's got one of my top five favorite metal riffs of all time, including all my favorite bands. So that's sick to feel that way about my own band. There's also, I would say, a song called Falling Down on... So th- these are all the songs that have nothing to do with why we got big. Falling Down, it's just, just a straight punk song at the end of our first album. Then there's a song called The Black Swan on The Black Swan. Ripper. Swampy riffs for days. 
There's a song called My Home on Wolves, an album that I was not on. So even cooler experience to like just be in love with that song. But I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that just playing Until the Day I Die and hearing a bunch of people sing the words as loud as they can is like the coolest experience. So I, I don't really ultimately don't care if the rest of the songs are all like Michael Bolton B-sides. Like to have that one song that gets that reaction is pretty sick. Yeah. Not every band gets to do that, you know, or it gets to have even one song. So it's yeah. definitely a good feeling. Another question from Robert. What is our favorite musical piece by John Williams in all of Star Wars? We probably have the same answer. <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> so we were just just been trying to figure out the official name for this and what track it's on on the soundtrack. So on the the official soundtrack, it's not sort of it doesn't stand alone as a track, but the recording logs, the original recording logs in seventy seven, it is known as Binary Sunset Alternate. Love that. That's my favorite John Williams piece in Star Wars. Every single time it plays. Most importantly, when I was in Savvy's workshop building my lightsaber and was brought to full-blown tears mm. as I ignited my lightsaber and it, it played in the room, that was one of the most magical moments of my life. I don't have kids, but I imagine that's what it feels like when you see your child for the first time. It might be my favorite piece of music ever written, period. So... We agree on that one? That's how I feel, but about Princess Leia's theme. Makes me happy to be sad when I hear that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have felt that way the past few years since Carrie Fisher died. For mm-hmm. sure, that's the one that just lights me up every time. I'm just a burning mess of <laughs> sorrow. <laughs> and Grown tears man tears. On fire like Vader's corpse. <laughs> floating across a lake of my own tears like a Viking funeral. Yeah, I love it. It's great. I'm pretty sure I said this on the show too, but my sister, when she got married, like walked down the aisle to that. And that was when like tears just finally came down my face. (laughs) Sorry to repeat that story, but it's, it has, besides it being beautiful, besides Carrie Fisher not being with us anymore, it has a like real life moment for me when I saw my sister uh, walking down the aisle to that. So it's amazing. Happy, happy memes. (laughs) Also, last thing I'll say about this, that force theme or binary sunset, it's used all over the place. Yep. And I also mentioned this in the, one of the last few episodes, how John Williams would use variations of that melody in different registers with different harmonies, different counter melodies and stuff to just make it either this really emotional little bit or this triumphant climax kind of thing. It's just, God, it's, it's uncorrect. It's, it's, I have goosebumps it's a everywhere. really, really mm-hmm. versatile theme. All right. Crystal Padilla back again. What's up? What's up? What shows have you guys been watching on streaming services during the pandemic? I need some new ideas. Thanks, guys. So much. So many shows. I have two, though, that are definitely on, like, at the very top, my my most recommended. Even though, also, yes, I've been watching a lot of stuff because I've been at home quite a bit. First, this came out long before quarantine, but for the last month, or so, my best bud, Josh, who played bass in Yellow Card, he came down here 
to hang with me because I'm near the beach and just 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 hang out down here for a little while. And something I had been like telling him, dude, you have to watch this. You have to watch this for a long time. And then it coincided with while he was here, the final season was going to air. And I was like, I will 100% watch that from the beginning over again with you. First, because it's got so much information that it would be good to just watch it again and take it all in. But second, because it's one of my favorite things I've ever seen in my life. And that is that German Netflix show, Dark. So if you are into nerdy stuff and... I mean, no, I'm not giving you any spoilers if you don't know anything about it. It, it is subtitled, but if, if you are into just quantum stuff and the universe and mm-hmm. parallel universe and alternate reality and all this, all that kind of stuff, you know, the origin of human existence, it is insane. And they absolutely stuck the landing with the finale. So highly recommend. Is it a series finale? Yes, it's over. It's three seasons. And you can tell very clearly that they had the entire thing. I mean, who knows? The guy, I forget. I don't know how to pronounce the the, um, creator writer's name um, properly. I don't want (laughs) to. Gary Vader. Gary Vader, uh, (laughs) who created Dark. No, so I don't want to butcher it uh, without knowing exactly how to say it properly. But he would probably be like, nah, dude, I was just winging it. But either way, (laughs) you get the feeling that it was always going to be three seasons and that mm-hmm. everything was answered in his mind from the beginning because it's just so clearly paced and well thought out and tied off at the end. Dope. It's got like Adam, I mean you'll love this. I don't if you have you seen it? Adam, have you watched it? No, everybody keeps telling me I'm an idiot for not having not watched it. It's a really like dirty, grimy, dark lost. Oh, sick. it's all of the stuff you love about Lost, but it's nice. no one gets a fresh change of clothes ever. <laughs> no, no one comes out after, you know, five years on an island with their hair, permed. haircut and makeup. Yeah. Yeah. So that one is I, I highly, highly recommend. There's a Sephora on the Lost Island. Did you know? There's Sephora. There's a Sephora on the, and a hair salon. <laughs> a Sephora and an American Eagle. <laughs> and then uh, the second one I would highly recommend. I've been watching Homeland since it came out, and I've kind of like just watched it here or there. I can't really stay super involved in it, but sometimes I'll put it on if I want, just need something on. And I'd seen the Rotten Tomatoes for this show a bunch, and all three seasons were 100% fresh. And I was like, dude, I have to know what this is or what it's about. There's this Israeli show called Fauda, also subtitled, but it's an Israeli show called Fauda about this team of like super high operative special ops cia style israeli special forces uh men and women and it is dude it is so balls to the wall like it makes homeland like sesame street it's so good so if you're into that kind you know the jack ryan jason Bourne kind of stuff it's an israeli version of all that on speed and it's so well done so well acted it's one of the most talented ensemble casts i've ever seen in my life no one is a weak link like everyone's performance is just mind-blowing so fauda on netflix nick what do you got oh so much i think just in constant rotation things like 30 rock and futurama and bob's burgers those are like my well i don't know what to watch and i'm going to bed so let me toss any of those on but uh as far as new stuff goes i really enjoyed watchmen which kind of is a little cloudy with the answer of whether or not there will be more seasons i Mm kind of feel like it ended And the little bit of reading I did, speaking of Lost, Damon Lindelof was the main person behind Watchmen. And he kind of was like, yeah, if there's more stories to tell, we'll do more. But as of right now, like there's nothing like floating around. So that was kind of interesting because I thought it was beautifully done. And just that amazingly weird parallel timeline to Earth type of thing 
yeah, I mean, I just finished watching Space Force, which was okay, if you like Steve Carell. What We Do in the Shadows, the series, pretty good, if you like the movie. Mark Hamill actually did, just was a guest on that. My girlfriend always has some sort of Star Trek going on when she's doing work from home, so she's on Voyager right now, which seems a little bit better than Deep Space Nine to me. We watched Picard when that was all streaming. Uh, Discovery's pretty rad. We're on a Star Trek podcast right now, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I I love TV. It's it's great. The Jeff Goldblum show, The World According to Jeff Goldblum, that's on Disney Plus, is highly entertaining. I would recommend that. Dope. Baron Bo Odar, that's how you pronounce it, but the creator of Dark. I just want to get it right because I sounded like a, a noob. Sounds just like Gary. <laughs> He's a smart fellow. Go watch that show. Adam, dude, smart fellow. trust me, dude. Start it now. While we're I still recording, I have something right to finish tonight. No, start it now. <laughs> well, during the recording. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Everybody, be quiet. I during this quarantine finished the Clone Wars, which I now completely love. Ahsoka is in like my top three Star Wars characters of all time. Finished Rebels. I'm on to Resistance. I am finishing Star Trek Picard tonight, and I would say things that have been around for a minute. If you haven't watched Westworld. Oh, yeah. Watch it. You could almost start with the most current season and then go back and watch the other two as prequels if you're in the mood to do something weird. But starting from the beginning, it's phenomenal. And then there's a show that's years old now. I want to say it ended three, four years ago called Halt and Catch Fire. It was on AMC. Oh, so good, man. Man. So good. I watched it twice. It's about a fictional technology company coming up at the end of the 70s, very beginning of the 80s as a peer with Apple and Microsoft and all the other computer companies. And there are actually, it's, it's sort of like a revisionist history almost. Yeah. They're right in the mix and they're, you know, they're, they're the conventions when like um, new products are dropped, like the convention where the Macintosh is announced, they're there like mm-hmm. hanging out with the Mac people, like at after parties and shit. So it's a dope show. It's so the last good. season. Heartbreaking too. It, oh, I love yeah. the last season. You didn't? I mean, well, it depends on like what you want from the show. Like, yeah, no, it, ha- it definitely had a dark ending. Yeah, but I just was so in love with the characters on that show, and I thought the last yeah. season was super character driven for sure. All right, Ryan Cornell says, "What's your opinion on Obi Wan not using the Force speed ability when he was trying to catch up with Qui Gon on the duel in the Phantom Menace?" Not sure if you guys noticed, but near the beginning, they both use their ability to escape the droids. They kind of pew off to the side. Yeah, mm-hmm. he says. In his opinion, it's kind of like Star Wars video games where the force speed is, you got a meter on it. You either, you've got it charged up or not, um, like stamina. I, I filed this in that folder with, what the hell, man? Why didn't you just use the force? <laughs> uh, which I say throughout all of Star Wars all the time. Yeah. So I don't think we fully understand the force is what it comes down to. I mean, is there force stamina? You know, like, is there... When you're lifting weights or exercising in the physical world, you know, you can only handle so much strength in, in a certain period of time. Yeah. You have to imagine, and you, you see multiple times throughout the story when Jedi are exhausted from, Luke literally dies from it. So yeah. Yeah. Leia dies from, I mean, Luke and Leia both used all their life force they had left their final acts through using the force. So a young squirt like Obi-Wan at the time, you know, like he only had so much in the tank. Also, do midichlorians get tired? I, I don't know. Midichlorians are lazy, man. <laughs> Dude, you know those midichlorians, man. 
little lazy. Get off the couch. If they just pull up their bootstraps, you know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Love that. Nick, you got any insight here? No, I never really thought about this too much. It just seems like plot device. If you could do everything all the time, then there's no story, you know? Yeah. Like, if yeah. that's basically at that part. Never really occurred to me to think of it this way. And now that I am, I'm just like, yeah, well, if he could just run super fast, he would have killed Darth Maul in like 10 <laughs> seconds, you know? All right. My boy, Mike Matarisi, old friend, wants to know if we've ever compared or how would we compare our reaction to these movies to our own careers? We've all had long music careers, but it's an evolution, ups and downs and so on. So if we had to sort of explain our careers in Star Wars format, whether it's like an album is like a movie or this, like this character or whatever, how would we sort of tell our stories through Star Wars? There's a lot to say here. Uh, I, I can try to keep pretty brief for mine. I think I look at the first three yellow card records. There's only ones I'll cover. I can't, like you said, there's too much to say to cover. I've, I've left home 21 years ago to play music, so it's, it's just too much to cover. But half the time that Star Wars has been a thing, we're old. <laughs> but the first three records, the first three yellow card records, I would equate the sound, not the success of the albums, the yellow card albums, to the Star Wars trilogy, the original trilogy, in that Ocean Avenue came out and no one knew who we were and it just appeared on the scene and it blew up. And for us in our little orbit, it got really big, you know, for us. And, and we, our entire lives were changed forever by that song and that record. And then... We followed it up with a record that was very much a reaction, a personal reaction to some of the pitfalls and strains of that overnight success that we experienced at such a young age. And we made a record that was uh, a bit more character driven, as you would say, you know, it was it was less shiny and it was longer and I think heavier with the subject matter. And that feels like empire to me. And then our third record, our last record on Capitol Records was called Paper Walls, which I would equate to Return of the Jedi in a cool way. I think they all line up because it was sort of the best of both worlds. And I think that's what Jedi is for me. Um, it, it had a lot more of the adventure of A New Hope, but it still retained the character development and, and the story driven by character and dialogue that Empire had. So... I think our first trilogy of albums really lines up with the original trilogy of Star Wars to me. Concept albums. I like it. <laughs> well, we tried to kind of do that with the second one, and I don't know. You, <laughs> ask other people how that worked out. <laughs> As a resident non-platinum-selling recording artist, I'm Thank the Maker. <laughs> I'll say... But the only dude who can grow a beard. <laughs> this is true. That's true. Speaking of body hair, I had my girlfriend shave my back before uh, we went and swam yesterday. It was very humbling. <laughs> True love. <laughs> it's her idea, honestly. She can't deal with it, I guess. I'll say, since our band turns 20 this year and uh, Phantom Menace turned 20 last year, and there's like a newfound kind of appreciation and love for the prequels, maybe I'll say Bayside will be like the, the prequel era. Maybe in 20 years, people will appreciate us a little bit more. <laughs> Maybe in 20 years, we'll finally sell 1 million records. Like you guys. They keep adding up. <laughs> they literally keep adding up. You know? Yeah, that's true. Every 1,500 streams, you, you get one album. So. so. <laughs> it's a really sweet system. So maybe. <laughs> hey, man. Our first album went gold in the first year, and it took uh, 17 years to go platinum. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's all those little 1,500 streams. They add up. I would say, uh, loosely, our first album 
kind of like Ryan was saying, you know, it's blows up. It's the first big thing. And it's hard to live up to that. And, and I don't know. I don't know how much I want to try to like stretch things to, to fit the narrative of star Wars, but I, I would equate our own, <laughs> our own arrogance to, uh, the arrogance of the Jedi, the hubris, the hubris of the Jedi and their inability to see the dark side. You know, when we just thought, yeah, everything will be cool. Yeah. We'll just make another album. It'll be just as big as the first one. Yeah. It'll be bigger. And then we'll just, you know, we'll get another bus and then, yep. No, sorry. This guy's been a Sith the whole time and you're fucked. <laughs> I don't know who the Sith was. Maybe we were, we were the Sith internally. I think we did it to ourselves. Chloe Rose wants to know what we read. Our favorite book ever. What are we currently reading? Any of those answers will do, I suppose. I'm terrible at reading. At actually just like doing it. You can I need to go good. to the Derek Zoolander Center for Kids Who Can't Read Good and <laughs> want to learn to do other stuff good too. <laughs> Center for Ants? I... And making my way through the Dark Tower, and I'm almost done. And man, those books are long, but boy, what a journey. I have a very dear friend that has been telling me for years and years, you have to do this, you have to do this. So I'm almost done with the second to last book of seven, and they're all, they're all like over a thousand pages long. <laughs> so it's taken a long time. I started like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, but it's just... Man, what a story. And if you're a Stephen King fan, which I haven't read a lot of the other stuff, but now I'm going to because it, it's wild how he was able to integrate so many of the characters and stories and themes from the other books that we know and love by, by him. Like Stephen King's one of those authors where there's so many films made that you don't have to read, you know, you don't really have to read the books because you know all of his stories through pop culture and film. And all these stories work their way through this lifelong set of novels he wrote. This is like his crown jewel, you know, his life's work is The Dark Tower. And uh, it's just, it's so sick. And there's spinoff books and prequels and books in between books that, ha- that you can go read after. And it's, it's just, it's an endless wormhole you can go down. So um, I've loved that. My favorite book of all time is The Road by Cormac McCarthy. I don't know anything about anything you just said. <laughs> well, <laughs> you should, especially The Dark Tower. You would love it. Books. Nick, do you book? I definitely, uh, I only really hit my stride reading when I started to read Star Wars books. <laughs> Those are the only things that kind of... Nerd alert. Yeah, right? <laughs> Not only did I want to get more nerdy, but I realized I needed to read about things that I enjoyed more. So, I don't know. I mean, there's a book by Claudia Gray uh, called Bloodline that totally is amazing. It's all Leia-based. I might have already mentioned it already on, on the pod. I'm not sure. Other than that, the only other books I've really read in the past couple of years all had to do with like kind of that like 90s, mid 90s punk explosion kind of thing. There's a book called Smash that was pretty good. There was a book called like How to Ruin a Record Label or something like that written by Larry Livermore who signed Green Day and like he owned Lookout Records back in the day. And that was very, very interesting. So I don't know. I kind of either like strictly Star Wars books or like biography kind of type things that are in my wheelhouse, like 90s punk. It all makes your brain stronger. Yeah. I just realized something. I used to be pretty good at reading books, actually. I had a kind of a lower reading rate when I was a kid because I was just in school. I was just smart enough that it was like, oh, I know the answers. I don't need to worry about this crap because I just didn't have a challenging elementary school <laughs> or something. So I never like really put time into reading. So when I figured out I was slow at reading and that screwed me i was like oh i gotta read more and then in my early 20s before the iphone came out 
I read a lot trying to kind of catch up. So I did this thing where I told myself straight up, if I'm going to read anything, I'm going to learn something. I'm not going to read any fiction. I'll watch a movie for that. Mm -hmm. So I read a lot of science stuff. So I think my favorite book is Pale Blue Dot by Carl Sagan. He's just like one of the greatest minds ever to live ever and a poet. And I would say in fiction, The Great Escape about an escape from a Nazi prison camp in World War II. Made a movie about it in the 60s. I read that like two or three times in junior high. Also, the Steve Jobs biography by Walter Isaacson was great. And that's all I see on my shelves right now. <laughs> For those of you that are listening, because you, you can't see, Adam has a green screen in his studio. So oh, yeah. he's at the Rebel base right now. <laughs> but he's turning around looking at bookshelves, but we can't see the bookshelves. So it looks like he's just looking around the base. Like, what do you, who's there? Yeah, over there behind that, uh, that display. Mon Mothma walking in? Yep. I have like no reading retention. I don't know if this makes me a bad reader or like overactive brain, but like I could full on be reading words on a page and thinking about like 10 other things. I have that exact so, same I don't problem. Know if that makes me smart or dumb, but it's, it's an issue for me. You want to bump some Adderall off me? <laughs> Clifford Alba would like to know if there's an action figure we had as a kid, Star Wars action figure, that we still have. Literally all of them. Yeah, I, I definitely have all of my stuff still. Any of mine that I didn't like blow up or smash in the backyard, I have. I have a shiny C-3PO action figure carrying case. Yep. Same. Right here near me. It has all of my figures in it. It's right over there. Mine's looking at me right now. <laughs> Judging. All my stuff's definitely in New York in my parents' house. And whenever I go visit them, I go down to the basement and visit all my old stuff too. It's all still there, thankfully. I finally got the like, hey, we're not we're not holding on to this crap anymore. Do you want it? <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, yeah, uh, yes, I want it. Thank you for not just getting rid of it. Because side note, I started playing Magic cards when they first came out. It just the chicks were all over me <laughs> when I was like 13. There were just babes lining up for at the magic <laughs> card table in the cafeteria. But I started playing when, when they first came out. So I had like alpha beta magic cards, you know, I don't remember how many I had, but definitely at least one, you know, top baseball card, like uh, the long cardboard boxes full of fail, full of mm -hmm. cards, full. And at some point I was off in California doing whatever and they just ended up at Goodwill or wherever. Rude. I don't think the cards would have been in amazing condition, so it might be okay because I didn't, we didn't sleeve them back then. We didn't know any better, so they were probably kind of beat up. But still, for those of you that play Magic cards, you know there's a, there's a card called the Black Lotus that if you get a brand new one out of a box that has like never been touched and you open it with gloves and you seal it right away, they're worth over $100,000 for one card. Oh and my God. Who knows, man? I might have had one of those in there because I had all these old original first generation cards. So I don't know what made me tell that story. Oh, yeah, because my parents were like, here's all your stuff. And when I went through it, I was like, cool, where's, uh, where, where's the thousands of magic cards I had? And they just were like, oh, no, I don't think we have those. <laughs> Punch. Yep. Punch them right in the face. A little bummed. All right, last question. Joe Modic says, other than Star Wars, what's your favorite movie or movie series? This is like, what's your favorite album, dude? Such an unfair question. <laughs> but it does make it easier to say, to acknowledge that Star Wars sits above all other things and just kind of act like that's I not even I think it makes it way harder because if someone <laughs> asks me, I just can say Star Wars. And when I, when I say that, I lump them kind of together. I'm not like, yeah. so that makes the answer easy. This makes it way harder because now Star Wars is off the table and 
every single one of the thousands of films I viewed in my life are now on the ballot. And yeah. that's really hard for me to choose. But if you had to choose. If I had to choose. <laughs> blaster to forehead. If I had to choose. I think my first Danny Boyle film experience in train spotting when I was about 16 or 17 years old just really stuck with me. That that film I can still go back and watch anytime and I still love everything about it, partially just from nostalgia, but partially because it's just an amazing film and our boy Ewan McGregor smashes it in that film and it was really early in his career. I mean, that was kind of his breakout role. You know, and it, it's, I talked about this before, how it's crazy that he went from this heroin addict role to Obi-Wan in like a two-year period. I mean, yeah. a three-year period. It was, it was a crazy jump. It shows how versatile and talented he is. But I've gone into viewing and loving Danny Boyle films ever since. After that, he's one of my favorite directors. Yeah, I just, Transpotting was a really monumental film for me as a, as a young person. And so... It's hard to say it's my favorite movie of all time, but it's it's up there with 10 other ones I could sit here and do my own episode of a podcast about. <laughs> Just do it. Make the call. You know what I mean? Just yeah, own okay. it. You talk about it like it's your favorite. I would guess it's your favorite if somebody else. I know, but me. like, let's get into Spielberg, you know? Let's let's yeah. get into The Godfather. I, I, I can't. It's just too hard, dude. Nick, do you have an answer? Hmm. My, my answer over the years always started off Actually, like Joe says, other than Star Wars, I would always preface it and be like, well, besides Star Wars, because that's in its own category of lifelong love, not even a movie category. But I would always say either the Royal Tenenbaums or Forrest Gump. But I'll give you guys the scoop right now and say it's actually the Royal Tenenbaums. I'm sitting in my living room right now and I just see like three different Wes Anderson like little trinkets in my living room. And I don't see one damn thing from Forrest Gump. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> winner Wes Anderson Royal Tenenbaums that's that's what my a answer. film winner winner <laughs> mine is without a doubt Boogie Nights I think it's the most underappreciated movie of my lifetime for sure yeah it's okay so let's get into Spielberg let's get into PTA let's get where do I can't do this question dude but yeah that movie also damn it's, it's so good. It's a perfect it, movie. It's so, it is a perfect yeah. movie. It's the best ensemble cast I can think of ever in Earth's history. I kind of want to watch it now. It's been oh, years dude. since I've seen it. Yeah, I've I'm not in. seen that in years. Ryan Phillips and I used to put that movie on like in the bus or, you know, in our house in Orange County back in the day, whatever. We we probably watched that movie a thousand times. It's the most rewatchable movie I can think of. Let's do one of those like Netflix film hang things. We'll watch but, it. Yeah. <laughs> Hell Yeah. It's a good place to wrap it up, I think. Good stopping point. Thanks for the questions, y'all. Yeah. Thanks for the lift, Deeds. <laughs> Mr. Deeds, underrated movie. That's great. Again, Jedi tier patrons provide these questions for us. Thank you guys for providing them. And if you want to participate, you listener, you can become a Jedi tier patron and submit these questions about anything. Like we said, ask us anything. If you want to ask normal Star Wars questions, go ahead and send those if you're a patron at any level also sorry we were a little late on this one it wasn't right at the end of the month we were busy you know doing our podcast with the armorer and ahsoka tano it was a busy time (laughs) mbd please forgive us uh also along with amas i really feel like it's great if you send us your own would you rathers i think those are a lot of fun too we need all that stuff quotes too any good star wars quotes or anything star wars adjacent even that you'd like us to use in an episode send it those two things are our least submitted and hardest for us to come up with on our own. Help us 
Thank the Maker listeners. You're our only hope. If you are trying to find the podcast on social media, you can find us on Instagram at ThankTheMakerPod, on Twitter at ThankTheMaker1, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash ThankTheMaker. My personal accounts are all at Adam the Skull. You can find Billy the Key over here at William Ryan Key. And I am still at Nick Bayside on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, I've been popping over to the uh, Thank the Maker Pod Instagram, throwing some dank memes in there. They still call them dank memes? Sure. I think so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll ask the youths next time I talk to them. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, everybody, for the questions. Thanks for listening. And until next time, may the force be with you. Thank you.